Welcome to the Moving Forward podcast. A few episodes back, I mentioned in, in conversation with Jenner Zeno that if a listener wanted to come on the podcast, they just should reach out to me and I would invite them on. And the first uh, listener has taken me up on that. So um, we have Jane with us. Uh, it just occurs to me, Jane, I don't know your last name. Jeffries. Jane Jeffries. Very alliterative. And uh, Jane asked to come on the podcast because she said that she noticed there aren't a lot of female guests. Um, And I agree, Jane. It's weird, but politics is a very male space and um, podcasting is also a very male space. For some reason, there aren't a lot of ladies um, in it. So I'm glad you're here to give a female perspective. We did, of course, have a female guest a few episodes back, and I've got a couple more lined up on the roster. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, we've got Jane. Uh, Jane, say hi to the listeners. Hey, everybody. Jane Ann Jeffries Johnson is my full name. And I wanted to jump into this because I listen to these guys, Corey and Rio, all the time. And there are times when I just want to jump into my computer and say, wait, wait, wait. So instead, I sent an email asking, why aren't there any women on here? And they contacted me, which I appreciate. So I explained to Rio that I was pretty much raised by men, especially my father, who um, was a California Conservation Corps member uh, under uh, FDR during the Depression, right, coming out of the Depression. And because of the way he raised me about what FDR did to pull everybody out of the Depression, I decided at a very early age never to give up my family house. So I'm actually living in my family house. I'm 78. I'll be 79. I'm one month younger than Bernie. And um, the family house has been in our family since 1943. I was born in 1941. The reason I'm so interested in politics is I worked from 1993 till 1969 for the RAND Corporation. My boss was head of the RAND Saigon office, and Daniel Ellsberg was one of his employees there when he was in the military. I was there when Dan Ellsberg and Tony Russo published the Pentagon Papers with the Washington Post. And... um, Mia Brzezinski's father was one of our consultants, so I've just kept up with politics ever since. I've been every known political party. I started out as a Republican and voted for Barry Goldwater. And then I became interested in Dennis Kucinich and his peace department, Department of Peace. So every chance I got, I voted for Dennis Kucinich. The only person I have ever voted for that has ever been elected was Barack Obama, and I voted for him twice. I also worked hard for Barack Obama. While I was on San Juan Island, which is where I have a condo, and my daughter is living there right now in Washington State, I actually wrote the education platform for the um, county Democrat Democrats up there. So uh, next thing, I'll just jump right into the economic system of the United States of America as I see it today. Because as I was growing up, my husband, my first husband and I were able to buy a house in the area where I now live for $34,500. He was- Oh my, it's gotta be millions now, right? (laughs) Yeah, like the, the house that I'm sitting in right now, the land underneath me is probably worth a million and a half. 
So, and it's around the corner from the house my husband and I bought. So, yeah, that's what's happened to the economy. I never invested in any stock because I never had any extra money. I divorced that man. When he called when I called him the day from Rand, the day that Martin Luther King was assassinated, and he said, Is that important enough to call home about? Oh my. That did it. He was from rural Arcadia. I met him in Illinois at Principia College and I fell in love with him and you know, we were together from fifty nine until sixty three when we got married and we had two kids. And then King was assassinated in 68. And by that time, my kids were um, three and two, or three and one. And I'm just like, I'm, I, this guy is leaving my house. And so I kicked him out. And my second husband was in the entertainment business, Robert Leonard Johnson. He, was, he worked as a coaster. And uh, he worked with a lot of people that you would know if I mentioned them. And he had he passed away in uh, 2006. So my first husband just passed away this year. But I totally believe that if you don't have friends of a lot of different cultures, you have missed life. So I became a full-fledged bilingual teacher. I was very fortunate that my parents cared about education and made sure that I had, had a good education. And I decided that I would um, teach where I was needed the most. Uh, my first student teaching was in Compton, and that was because I asked to go to the hardest thing L.A. would ever have to give me. And that was hard from the standpoint of the Crips and the Bloods and their messages on the school doors. But that was where I did my student teaching in third grade and fifth grade. And then when it, once I went into secondary I really preferred secondary, but then once I, I became a credentialed bilingual teacher, the district made me teach at the elementary level. In uh, teaching math, I was doing a master's degree in math, and um, I wrote my thesis in 1993 on the use of the computer in teaching elementary mathematics. But that's about the end of my computer skills. <laughs> yeah, you had a little bit of trouble getting in. Zencaster to record this episode. Um, you mentioned your second husband was black. Is that right? Yes. My second husband, Bobby Johnson, I met at Destiny 2. It was a play, a dance hangout. And um, I went there with my friend. We just went to dance. And then this guy goes out on the floor and he's dancing. And I said, see that guy right there? That's the one I want. So he comes off the dance floor and he comes over to me and he says, would you go home with me tonight? And I said, I just might. <laughs> well, that's awfully forward. <laughs> You've really um, kind of run the gamut and lived the whole American experience in your long life. Um, I mean, going from divorcing a man who you found out was racist to your horror um, to marrying a black guy and uh, supporting Barack Obama um and and you were a um a child um when the the at the tail end of the whole new deal thing going down what did you learn from your parents about that how did how did they they think about fdr and and the depression and all of that i think what i well my mother's family was wealthier than my father's family and actually my 
<laughs> my mother's family did want did not want her to marry my father. So my father was from um, Danbury, Wisconsin, and they were very poor. And my my grandfather <clears throat> was in World War Two, World War One, and was gassed in the war. So. Um, so I remember my dad saying when he went to Occidental that because he went on an athletic scholarship, he lived with a lady. That's where Obama went. Yeah. He, he uh, rented a room from a lady and he was in every sport in every season and he was studying economics, studying economics because of the depression, I'm sure. But he said that there were times when what he had to eat for a week was a loaf of bread. And like I already knew about FDR and so forth, just from civics in college, and and so I already knew about FDR. But I made a decision at a very young age that I was never going to trust that this whole thing wouldn't happen again. Now I never went through a pandemic before. The only uh, crises in sickness that we went through was during Obama, and they nipped it in the bud right away. So we have this pandemic come on here and I'm 78. And so what am I going to do? I, I don't even see my kids. My whole family lives a hundred miles away in Carlsbad. I don't see any. Yeah. I think that's one of the most tragic things going on right now is there are a lot of people who don't get to see their grandkids and their great grandkids. And I mean, as this drags on and on and on, like, you know, years of, of familial meaning, meaningful familial connections have been lost that, that should have been had otherwise. Well, in my case, um, I have great grandchildren as well as grandchildren and daughters. And in my case, we're all online. And so they send me, we send videos to each other and stuff like that. So right now I'm in a good place yeah. So, um, Jane, let's talk about that. I, I really appreciate that we have people with such um, rich lives and who are so knowledgeable and experienced listening to the podcast. It's uh, really wonderful to imagine um, who's on the other end of these recordings, many of whom I never get to meet. Um, so let's let's talk about politics. Let's move into contemporary politics. Um, what with with all of your life experience, having been all over the political spectrum throughout your life and learned so much. Um, what do you think about the current political environment? What do you think about Trump? Um, you told me that you, uh, worked for the Yang campaign. Talk about that a bit. Um, and, uh, how do you feel about Joe Biden, et cetera? I'm happy to tell you exactly how I feel about all that. I'm going to start with Yang. I started looking more closely into universal basic income and I found Scott Santon's and I started reading his research, and I joined Patreon, etc. So when Yang came along, and I listened to his book, uh, and and found that Scott Santons was one of his 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 supporters, I was just like, oh well, I know who I'm for. So I had been for Bernie, but the missing link for me had always been what. Should what would this nation be able to afford for um, for people for uh, universal basic income? And Yang had that answer, and I'm like, whoa! Here, here he is. He's like, our savior has come. And so, I, <laughs> and, um, so off air, you mentioned that your attitude about 
Bernie Sanders has changed quite a bit. I've noticed that a lot. There are a lot of people who were really in favor of him in 2015, 2016, and have grown very disenchanted, not just in the Yang gang, but kind of broadly. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to, because I truly love Bernie. As you know, his wife's name is Jane. And I love Nina Turner. And I saw a huge black following that nobody else saw. But then I have black people in my life. So my minister, as a matter of fact, um, City of Angels Science of Mind Center was O.C. Smith. Yeah, so with Bernie, well, I already knew backing Bernie that um, I, I already knew he was in the olden days because back when I joined the school system, we had a strong union. By the time I got out of the school system, I was union rep at my school. And we were fighting really hard just to to stay afloat in a sense, because what the school district does is it hires twice as many administrators as it has teachers. And all you need is teachers. You need teachers and assistants, especially if you're teaching in English and Spanish. So, however... So what did you mean by he was in the olden times, though? Well, where are the jobs that have unions? Where are those? There aren't unions. There are union busters. We needed universal basic income. The the um, what has happened? You know, when I was in seventh grade, I remember antitrust. You know, no monopolies, antitrust. Where is that? The Congress has basically feathered their own nest. Both parties, from my standpoint, if you aren't invested in the stock market. You're not doing well right now. Because I'm a teacher and because my retirement is invested in the stock market, I still have my retirement. But what about the normal people? What do you mean exactly to talk about like uh, unions and labor and everything? Are you, are you saying that um, Bernie Sanders' solutions are kind of old-fashioned and that they're still very like work-focused um, as an economic solution to poverty and inequality? Well, I'm saying that we're in a totally different age. I I'm totally buy into the automation thing. I mean, doesn't everybody look at Amazon? Well, it's pretty undeniable at this point, yeah. Yeah, look at look at who the behemoths are right now. Google is now the mall that was our mall. No bookstore yeah. anymore, nothing. And it's Google, and they're still building it, and it's a whole block. When yeah. I was when I was a kid, it was where the circus set up. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, the world has changed really fast, and it must be must seem especially wild and, and spinning to you because you have been alive a lot, lot longer than I have, and so you've actually really lived through so much of the change. And I do think that people can forget how quickly, how quickly the world changes, um, and... You know, for a lot of good reasons, our founding fathers set up our system so that, um, you know, big changes through the government are actually relatively difficult to accomplish. Um, but in a world that's changing really fast, even if the even if everybody in government, you know, if everybody in Congress, uh, for example, has totally good intentions, it's still kind of the deck is still sort of ca- um, stacked against them in terms of being able to keep up with all this change. So um, that's definitely one of the reasons I like Andrew Yang and his approach. 
I don't think, you know, when, when Trump ran, and let's talk about Trump for a second, because I do have strong opinions about him. But when Trump ran, you know, he said, well, what we really need is a businessman. Okay, well, he's a phony businessman who played one on TV um, and who all of his actual businesses declared bankruptcy multiple times. He's an absolute failure as a businessman, and he's going to bankrupt America doing the same thing. What we need is somebody who understands the 21st century economy and technological shifts that are uh, transforming the fundamental nature of work. Yes, and that's Yang. Yang has studied economics. He has studied political, political science. He has a degree in political science. So he has worked as an entrepreneur. I don't know if you've ever listened to Zach Grauman any of his podcasts. Sure. I listen to podcasts every single night, sometimes all night long, because that, that they are the one thing that keeps me in touch with people that I know are trying to do something about this nation. There are two political parties in my mind. One is the one that doesn't give a shit about others. And the other is the one who cares about everyone and wants everyone to have a chance. I am the second one. <laughs> yeah, and though um, I, I see what you did there, and those those two things don't perfectly overlap with either party, um, do they? No, they don't. This is this so. Is you said you liked Barack Obama, and I know you're not a fan of Donald Trump. So, can you talk about that contrast from your from your personal perspective? The contrast of, of Obama and Trump. Yeah. Oh please, just a moment. For one thing, the moment Barack Obama gave his speech at the Democratic Convention, I'm like, I want him. I know Margaret Brown was the first um, student to graduate from Berkeley with a Black Studies credential. And I was the first, in one of the very first classes at Cal State LA, um, that was an American Studies major. So she became my best friend in our multicultural um, studies um, uh, master's group. Almost any black woman I see, I'm gonna, I'm looking at like, what do you know that I don't? Please tell me. That's how I. Oh, that's feel. a that's a, a good attitude. That's to have. how I feel. Okay, so I'm very very upset at this country for not taking full advantage of these fabulous people who have a history that's unbelievable, who have a religious belief that's unbelievable. You want to talk about religion? Hey, if you think you're going to have your head bashed in any minute and God is protecting you, you have religion. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it does, it does seem to me like Obama's, you know, people made fun of the fact that he won the Nobel peace prize just for getting elected because people said like, well, well, he hasn't done anything yet. I mean, you know, apart from being the first black man elected president of the United States, he was the first biracial man, right? Yeah. Well, sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. So why are we forgetting that? Why are we forgetting that um, his grandmother was afraid of black men? Yeah. Why are we forgetting that his grandfather was in the military? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, That's true. Yeah, I mean, he was he was he was a white man, or is <laughs> a white man and a black man. That is a that's a good point, and um and it's one thing that can that 
can hopefully soften some racist hearts if they reflect upon it, because it's not as if his ancestry and his upbringing um, is all really that alien from them. Well, um, it was Aloha. He, yeah. was a, he was a brown man in a brown state. Yeah. Basically, and he was a good basketball player, and his mother cracked the whip. I don't know if you know that she basically, Brock's sister, uh, published their mother's thesis, um, um, PhD the, um, dissertation. Okay, wow. did you know that his mother was a goldsmith, a blacksmith in Indonesia, and helped the women of Indonesia um, earn their own money? Did you know that? That's just, I mean, I, I, I have actually read uh, his autobiography and I've read a lot about the guy, but the more I learn about him, it's just, he's so impressive. And, and so is Michelle. I'm actually yeah, reading Becoming yeah. right now. What an amazing woman. We were so lucky to have both of them. And we were so lucky that they just let. And such a class act too. What yeah, a contrast with the buffoon we have act. right now. You're a class act. So, so Trump just couldn't wait to get his fat butt into the scene. I'm sorry, but I just, ugh, I turn him off. I just, I am so sad. And I, I truly do believe that it was Facebook that got him elected. It was all of those. Yeah, tools. there's something to that. Yeah. I don't believe he was elected. I really don't. Now, I didn't vote for Hillary, but the reason I didn't vote for Hillary was Monica's affair with Bill. I did not want that man back in the White House. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. No, um, no. <laughs> are you going to vote for Biden this time, though? Please but, say yes. But, but, <laughs> no more Trump, please. <laughs> but but what I did, I live in California, so I knew California was going for Hillary. Sure, of course. So when people when the when people are wherever they are and they they don't like Biden, I mean, you know what? We like Yang. But guess what? 1.6 million followers is not enough to get you elected. Preach, Jane. Yeah. So the whole point is, I want people to vote for Biden because I know that that Yang has Biden's ear. Yang also has Kamala's ear. You know, and yeah, no, and that's true. I mean, and I mean, presumably, unless at this point, honestly, uh, this is a little bit of a mean thing to say, but the truth be told, I just I don't believe that somebody is actually an Andrew Yang supporter. Not really. Unless they're planning to vote for Joe Biden. And I know that's kind of harsh, but the reason I say it is because, like, if you're a real Andrew Yang supporter, then presumably you believe the man. And when he tells us that Joe Biden is going to put him in his administration and listen to him, and that it is in the best interest of the nation to elect Joe Biden, we should believe him. If we don't believe him, then in what sense are we really a supporter of his? But you know what the difference is? If you liked Yang, then why do you think that he bowed out? If if somebody was for Yang and they were only in it for the bucks, that's fine. They can only be in it for the bucks. But Yang has a Twitter account, and we all met on the Twitter account, the Yang Gang. Why aren't you going to Yang every single day and looking at everything he does? Why aren't you going to every podcast that he ever makes? He has a huge group of people now that he's working with famous people who are donating money because there are actually people going to move humanity and asking for money and getting money from yang yeah 
So I don't think that those people that you're talking about realize that that's going on. And I've been trying to write that into Twitter, you know, just like I could, somebody I confronted, she was wearing a humanity forward shirt. And I'm like, Oh, humanity forward. That's you guys. <laughs> and he was, uh, she gave this, I don't know. She was going on and on about what she didn't know what she was going to do and such and such. So I sent her a message and I said, well, you're wearing a humanity forward shirt. So, and I gave my whole little spiel of, so are you aware of everything that Yang is doing? He's voting for Biden. He has Biden's ear, blah, 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 blah. I just wrote, you know, just basically what I had just said to you. And I got this scathing thing with <laughs> all kinds of cuss words and stuff back. I'm like, classy. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I, I was going to have a conversation. <laughs> but so you got you got the um you got a really nasty reaction from that. Why do you think that is, Jane? And how much of a problem is it really? You know, because like it, it seems to me that it's like much like the contrast between Obama and Trump. The contrast between Biden and Trump, just in terms of character, couldn't be more stark. It yeah. seems to me. Like I understand the reasons why people would suspect you know, be um, skeptical of Hillary Clinton's character. I don't believe there is any real such reason to be skeptical of Biden's character. He's lived a, a humble life. He actually hasn't enriched himself through his life in politics. Um, he's 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 just seems to me like a, a decent, although admittedly flawed human, like the rest of us. He's he's from an older generation like yourself, and it took him a while to evolve on on certain issues. But he was always ahead of the curve. I mean. Is he really such a bad guy? I just, I do not understand this hatred of him. Do you think it's more to do with hatred of the establishment in general and his association with that rather than him as a person? I don't think he's a bad guy at all. The Anita Hill thing didn't sit well with me because I could see Clarence Thomas and see Anita Hill and I believed every word she said. But I've been the very same way with the women who've come against Kavanaugh and stuff like that. You have no idea what it is to be a woman and like stand up for yourself. You have no idea. I don't. You're right. Tell me about it. And you have no idea what it is to decide whether or not you can afford to have another child if you get pregnant. And yeah. for men even to be discussing this, if you want to discuss it, discuss it with the woman you got pregnant and make some kind of a promise to her that forever, no matter what goes on between you, you will at least pay half. You know, uh, no, yeah. I'm, you know what? I just, no, because I have supported myself. But uh, the only, that's the only thing about Biden. Biden's wife is wonderful. Uh, Kamala couldn't be more fabulous. So um, the whole thing is Biden has already been with Obama for eight years and he was there every day of every decision. So he is a wealth of understanding. And then he knows good people. He knows, you know, we have had every single agency just fired. The only thing Trump is, is you're fired. That's all he is. And he has no good friends because he's a criminal. So, you know, uh, I wouldn't vote for a criminal personally. But no, let, let's get back to this girl that reamed me out. You know what? I block people who use foul language toward me in a way that I don't appreciate. 
if I'm well, oh, that's true. That's a good point. I mean, it's one th- it's one thing to use a word that happens to be a curse word. I mean, for example, when I'm talking about Donald Trump, I'm not going to lie; he brings the the f bombs out of me every now and then because I'm just so angry about it. But I can't imagine using language like that back to a nice lady like yourself on the internet just because <laughs> you, you know you said, "Hey, by the way, you know Yang like does all this awesome stuff, and he endorsed Biden." You know, so maybe you should vote for the guy. Good yeah, gracious. Because I don't deserve it. <laughs> oh, of course not. No, what a weird what a weird phenomenon if you think about it, right? I mean, I'm an older millennial, right? I'm 36. Um, and so I was a I was still a minor. Um, I was still a child actually when um when the internet first came out. And my dad uh was this kind of tech savvy guy who always had the latest thing i guess he used to have like he had a satellite phone like back when that was like a a new technology (laughs) that sort of thing so he's you know of course we had the internet and i've i've been around the internet almost as long as i can remember like i i actually can remember a time before the internet but i have to really struggle to do that so But I'm still getting used to it. I mean, you would think that being, you know, a digital native, I'd be used to it. But this phenomenon of getting in fights with total strangers on the internet is just so psychologically weird, isn't it? Well, the thing is, I was not raised in an environment where anybody ever fought. So I I don't have to, I don't have to be in that environment. And I can't be, you know, my my grandson is 36. So my first computer was a Commodore 64. I wrote wow. my mathematics thesis <laughs> on a Commodore 64 with a <laughs> with a word processing program that had no word wrap. <laughs> wow. But it doesn't really matter because you know we all want me to live forever because my money goes when I go. So <laughs> We want to keep it in the family as much as possible. Yeah. And um, let's talk about that for a second. I, I find, um, I well, you're a, a listener of the podcast, so you know this is kind of a hobby horse of mine. Um, but I support Andrew Yang and human capitalism and all of that. Um, what do you think about this kind of resurgence of, of, of actual like socialism on the left and, and hostility toward private property? Because it seems to me like rather than, you know, being resentful of people like you who can help your children out, we should want more people to be able to help their children out. We should want more people to be able to build intergenerational family wealth. I always say, I think wealth is the solution, not the problem. What, what, what do you think about that? It is, but I will tell you the, true ace in the hole. My mother's mother, Myrtle May Martin Dittrich, was born on a Sioux reservation in Colorado. Her father, who was from St. Catharines, Ontario, worked for the U.S. government as an interpreter for the Sioux. My grandmother was born in, in 1890. When it came to... Oh, 19, wow. Yeah. When it came to 1920... And women could vote. My grandmother couldn't. My grandmother could never vote because she never had a birth certificate, and she could never get anybody who could uh, who could verify that she was born there. So this is sure. Wow! Wow! That is what a story. So this this is what happened to my grandmother. She had no social security card, and my grandfather came from money in in Ohio. They owned the original Hamiltonian 10. 
So she met him. I don't know where she met him, but my mother was born in Ohio. But my grandmother invested her money in second mortgages and never had to pay any income tax and never could vote. So, hey, there is a way. <laughs> There's a way to have money. There was. I don't think there is anymore. You know? Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree with you. That's that's kind of my point, right? I yeah. I do think that we need to do a lot more to make it easier f- for people to build wealth, right? But I, that's, that's why I think it's so counterproductive that there's this resurgence of socialism on the left because they seem to be hostile to the idea of wealth. And it's like, no, the answer should be we want more wealth in the world and we want to make it easier for more people to acquire it. And I don't mean, you know, like, you know, you're a billionaire wealth. I mean, that is a little obscene, let's be honest. I mean, I, I'm a capitalist, but like, I won't, you know, I'll admit most people don't need that much money. But the kind of wealth that your family has built that at this point, you know, know, makes you kind of upper middle class. Um, that's no, something we should want for everybody. I'm not upper middle class. Uh, Trump, basically, the most I have, I have never made $100,000 in my life. Okay. Well, sure. But you've invested very intelligently. The most I've ever made is 90000 It's now down to 70000 And Trump gave me a big hit in my taxes. So we now have to pay income tax on the tax we pay the state. And that's a big hit. Oh, yeah, no, I me too. I'm also in California. So 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 here you are, middle class and Trump raised your taxes. Yeah. A Republican. How obscene well, is that? that? This billionaire guy cut his own taxes and raised yours. What because a what he, a piece he, of garbage. He hates the blue states. You know that we we have 76 mail sorters that are gone. Yep. I'm very He tried to cut funding. He tried to cut uh federal funding for the fighting the wildfires here. <laughs> what what an absurd thing to do. He he's I mean he literally wants it to burn to the ground. If you don't vote for him, and by the way, it's kind of funny if you think about it. Millions of people in California did vote for Donald Trump, but because a majority here didn't vote for him, he's so narcissistic that he wants to burn the state to the ground. How how what what an awful person. This is not somebody who loves America, I'll tell you that. My my sister lives in Orange County, and she married a wealthy man. And she and I are as different as you can imagine. We, I mean, she will not talk politics with me. <laughs> because I will not talk, you know, I will tell her about Trump. I mean, the whole thing is racist. Orange County is racist. You know, cultures are the most, the best thing that the that the United States has going for itself is its cultures. And look at the people who want to come here from other countries. They're the people who can afford to get here. We're so lucky. Look at Yang. Look at who Yang's parents are. Are we lucky to have them? Yeah. I, I, yeah, no, I hear you. My uh my wife lived uh um abroad for much of her childhood. Um and she constantly reminds me that um, it's not that there isn't racism in, in say, you know, Western European countries like Germany and so forth. It's just that there's such homogenous societies yeah. that it's not as much at the forefront as right. here. You know, <laughs> I mean, in, in, in their case, you know, they, they literally killed a bunch of the minorities. You know what I mean? I'm laughing. It's not funny. So, but this, this idea that America is exceptionally racist 
Um, I don't think that's true. I think that we just have a very diverse society, and so the racism is more visible. Um, it, there's a there's a huge problem with racism in other countries. I think there's racism if you haven't grown up with people. Cal State LA is very, very multicultural. That's true. So, you, in fact, you would almost expect there to be more racism in places that are less diverse, and I think that's probably true. I loved it there. It was fabulous. So let's go back to the statement I made that and you're right it isn't black or white here but if i if i make it into black and white it's you're either a person who loves people and you and wants to see all people succeed or you love yourself and you don't give a shit about others and- yeah i i agree with that jane although i think there's actually another layer to it too that makes it even a little bit more dark <laughs> Not to try to bring you down, but there's, yeah, you either care about other people or you don't. But then even within those who care about other people, you either have a realistic understanding of what it's going to take to help those people, or you have some kind of naive utopian ideology that's just going to actually hurt people regardless of your good intentions. So I think you need both good intentions and a rational, pragmatic worldview in order to do good in the world. Unfortunately, one with the, uh, you know, good intentions are necessary, but not sufficient, in my opinion. Well, it used to be that if you were very, very rich, then you gave to various causes. Okay. So that's all well and good. But there comes a time when somebody like Amazon or just, you know, any, just, I'm just choosing Amazon because I support them by buying their books. But any big conglomerate conglomerate that has taken over the business of all the small business people who can't afford to be in business anymore. That was not allowed when I was in seventh grade and there were antitrust laws. So I take it back to Congress. Congress does not know what to do. Yang knows what to do because he has studied it and found out. He has studied economics, he knows the economics of the United States of America, and he has studied political science. So he's somebody who can come forth and make a huge difference in a number of agencies of the government. Going back to the thing of you either love everybody and want good for them, or you love yourself and don't give a damn, I will go further there. Trump, I believe the pandemic is on purpose. Because there are certain people that he just don't, doesn't want on the face of this earth. You know, that sounds extreme, but it, um, I've seen reporting that suggests that what you're saying is actually literally true. Apparently, there was actually a meeting that Trump wasn't personally present for, but his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, th- who through nepotism and despite having absolutely zero qualifications, has all of this um, power in the government right now, um, was there. And they decided that since it was a problem that hurt cities more than rural areas and that cities tend to vote Democrat. They weren't going to do anything about it. That was literally the explicit decision that they made. I mean, if you ask me, that is evil. That is pure evil. I will say one other thing that I haven't mentioned yet, and that is the situation at the border with the kids in, t- in cages. It took yeah. me a very long time to become a bilingual teacher, and I did it because I loved my students and I loved their parents. And my ex-husband, the one that I divorced, had property in Mexico. He sang down there with the mariachis, etc. And so for Gringo to go down to Mexico and be well-received there, 
But then for somebody to come up here who wants to do anything for you that you will employ them for just so that their kids can be born here and so that they can get an education and be part of America for those people to lose out. That's who does everything in our neighborhood. Yeah, no, you're not wrong about that. You're so, you're so right. I'm, 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 I'm convinced that, um, the opposition to immigration that we're seeing in Donald Trump's base has absolutely everything to do with racism. Um, you know, they, 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 they try to make an economic argument for it, but I just don't believe it. It's, it's, it's really truly awful. I mean that the, the separating of the kids at the border from their parents and then intentionally losing the information so that, so that when the um, judges ordered them to reunite them with their parents, they said, oops, sorry, we can't. I mean, it's just, and and then Trump lies through his teeth and says, Obama's the one who started that. I stopped it. Like that is so not true. I mean, Obama was, uh, you know, enforcing the law as the president is supposed to do and doing it more competently and efficiently than Trump is, but also more humanely. That's the key point. Well, I just basically felt sick to my stomach every time they showed that footage and Jacob Soboroff, oh my God, what he has seen. So I just I I just think that we're just not the United States of America anymore. Yeah, I agree with you about that. Thank you for doing your part. Um, uh, do you want to say a little bit about about, or I guess you did speak a little bit about working for Yang? Um, but let's take it back there in conclusion. Um, we've got to start wrapping up. We're coming up on an hour here. Um, so a, a final statement you want to leave our listeners with? What would that be? I would just yeah, I'm just going to leave my, the listeners with a Yang Gang statement. I'm just going to say go to, if you're on Twitter, at Andrew Yang, go to his Twitter page, go every day. Go through it every day. Like what you like, forward what you want to forward, reply to what you want to reply. Also go to Scott Santens at Scott, S-C-O-T-T-S-A-N-T-E-N-S. And there are a lot of other people, but I will just give Scott and, and Andrew. And then Joe and uh, Kamala. You know, uh, go listen to them, you know, uh, because they're, they are our way back to, it's not even back. They are our way forward. They are our way forward. Yeah, I thought you were going to say back to decency, but also forward uh, at the yeah, same time. Say back to decency. Well, you know what? Yeah. Decency well, that's never- good. I mean, we, you know, not all change, not all change is positive and, the ways in which Donald Trump has left a mark on on this country are pretty damn bad. So I think we could stand to go back from that a little bit, if you ask me, as well as forward. Yeah, um, I would say that everybody who is decent is still decent. A lot of people that I never knew weren't decent aren't. And yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, he definitely Trump. I, that might even be the the worst thing about him, because I'd I'd like to believe. In my best moods, I believe that our political institutions will survive his um, outrageous attacks upon them. I hope so. I feel like they have to. Um, so hopefully, that's not the worst thing about him because hopefully he's going to fail at that, and that's kind of up to us in voting him out, frankly. But I mean, it seems to me the worst thing about about Donald Trump is that he gives permission to the worst people in the country and to the worst instincts within those people to be just unapologetically and proudly awful to their fellow Americans. Why do we consider him American? I don't. 
You know, that's a good point. I, I actually kind of agree with you. I mean, obviously, on a le- legally, legally, this is funny because Donald Trump wants to take away birthright citizenship, which is strange to think about. Um, but 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 like legally, you know, he's a he's a citizen, just like legally Obama was a citizen and was and, and was born a naturalized born American citizen, despite what Donald Trump's conspiracy theories that were motivated by nothing but racism like legally trump's a citizen but i agree with you there's a difference between being a legal citizen and being an american and if you ask me if you have betrayed this country the way donald trump has if you have raped and pillaged the country for your own personal power and profit um and 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 doing the bidding of our enemies while they're attacking us um I mean, literally attacking us, trying to kill our soldiers, uh, hacking our voting machines. And and he keeps taking the side of this dictator, Vladimir Putin, who just poisoned his political opponent. I mean, if you think about all of those things, honest to goodness, Jane, I just I cannot wrap my head around how any, any, any real American could support that man, period. He's not he's not a real American. Think of where he owns his his. uh hotels and stuff he owns property all over the world all he cares about is his him is it's pretty it's pretty uh it's pretty hypocritical to think about the way that he opposes free trade with other countries but then his own his own businesses uh are super globalized and of course he opposes immigration but then he also employs tons of illegal immigrants at his businesses as well the man is just walking contradiction (laughs) he has liked very white women from other countries also all right jane um and uh and and do you want to say say it at the end the uh, gumbo thing yeah the gumbo thing (laughs) move forward is our gumbo andrew yang is our gumbo they're both our gumbo you said it (laughs) moving forward is our gumbo jane thanks for having thanks for coming on and uh i hope you keep listening to the show it really makes me proud that uh that somebody as um, with so much life experience and so educated and so well spoken um, can is is among our listeners. So well, I'm really glad I met you. I, Have a good day, Jane. Thank you. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to the Moving Forward podcast. Together. Through these conversations, we are all working to ensure that the Humanity First movement keeps moving forward. If you haven't yet, please visit our website at movingforwardpod.com, where you can support our Patreon. We will use those funds to advertise, to grow our audience so more people hear these important conversations. Thank you very much.